We spent the last year going around communities, some of the poorest communities in the country, hearing from small charities, and I stress the word small charities who are properly on the front line dealing with some of the toughest cases and situations going. And what we found is that lockdown policy poured petrol on the fires that were already out there in this country. The grand total of government spending during COVID is £376 billion. Pounds. I mean, let's just try and put that into context. Is that the most expensive government policy in history? I mean, can you imagine, just as a pure picture, being on your own in a high-rise flat with a couple of kids, how you deal with not being allowed out, how homeschooling if you don't have any devices in there. All of these things were not thought about at the time and they're certainly not being thought about now. Hello, everyone. The first voice you heard there was of Andy Cook, the chief executive of the Centre for Social Justice think tank, the CSJ. He was being interviewed on Unheard by Freddie Sayers. They were discussing the CSJ's new report, Two Nations, the State of Poverty in the UK. The Centre for Social Justice is a conservative-leaning think tank that states its vision is for those living in the poorest and most disadvantaged communities across Britain to be given every opportunity to flourish and reach their full potential. In the past, it has produced reports focusing on such areas as gang culture, addiction, family breakdown and modern slavery. The last of those heavily influenced the introduction of the 2015 Modern Slavery Act. As the title suggests, this new 300-page report focuses broadly on poverty in Great Britain and the widening gap between rich and poor. Specifically, however, it highlights the effects of lockdown policy, stating that The gap was stretching apart after years of increased family fragility, stagnating wages, poor housing and frayed community life. But the lockdown implemented during the COVID-19 pandemic was the dynamite that blew it open. In the Measuring the Mandates report I authored, I focused on demonstrating that the lockdowns were not demonstrably effective, which is a conservative way of saying they were entirely ineffective. That's without even taking their costs into account. When those costs are factored in, they were clearly a disaster whose destruction could only be paralleled by war. I concluded with Tacitus's famous observation of the Roman Empire, that where they make a desert, they call it peace. I made some general economic points about resources not being brought forth by magic, and that what is consumed today simply isn't there for tomorrow. I did not go too far into specific figures, however, as I wanted to remain focused on the question of efficacy. I was therefore very pleased to come across this report, and gain a more specific sense of lockdowns, costs and effects. Right now, the narrative emerging from the UK COVID inquiry seems to be that lockdowns happened too late. If only we'd instigated them sooner, we might have had a death rate as low as Sweden's. Quite seriously, given the outcome of places like Sweden, how anyone can maintain this narrative in 2023, never mind 24, is beyond me. It speaks to a fracturing of any relationship with empirical reality, and I would suggest a study of court dynamics would be the only way to shine a light on it. I'm not going to discuss efficacy any further here. I will link to the Measuring the Mandates report, which is freely available from my website. What I am going to do is run through the Centre for Social Justice's report's findings. Just about everything I'm going to say is coming from the report, so this is one long quotation essentially. I'll make it clear if I'm interjecting my own opinion at any point. 
The report draws upon a year's work travelling around the UK's poorest communities and asking small charities how lockdowns affected them. Additionally, over 6,000 people were polled, more than half of whom were also from the nation's poorest communities. The CSJ found that during lockdowns, 86% more people sought help for addictions. They describe addictions as a problem which is tearing communities apart. There has been a 63% increase in deaths for people on methadone as compared to pre-2020. 2020 also saw a reversal in the falling rate of alcohol deaths, which ended up rising by over 15%. To give a sense of the scale of this problem, there are over 600,000 people in England with alcohol dependency issues. Data on poisoning doesn't capture other alcohol-related deaths, such as related diseases, injury, accident, or the compounding impact of alcohol in murder and suicide. The Royal College of Psychiatrics found nearly 8.5 million adults drinking at a higher risk in September 2020, an increase of 4.8 million from February in the same year. In measuring the mandates, I wrote about how lockdowns must have prevented romantic relationships, and by extension families, from forming. I did so as an illustration of things you wouldn't necessarily think of. As a dark counterpart to this, The CSJ reports a lockdown-induced surge in pornography addiction. One treatment centre reported seeing around 750 pornography addicts in the first six months of 2022 alone, compared to 950 for the whole of 2019. To give a sense of how debilitating this is, the dependency line is placed at two hours a day, with some people consuming up to 14 hours. The CSJ also reports a substantial rise in domestic abuse during lockdowns, with calls to one helpline rising by 700%. Between April and December 2020, the average daily calls to the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children more than doubled. It's not just that lockdowns created an environment for abuse, but perpetrators actively used them to create new ways to control and intimidate their victims. I would invite you to imagine being in an abusive relationship and hearing Boris say... From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. What must that have felt like? Lockdowns adversely affected mental health conditions, which the CSJ report have surged since 2020, especially amongst the most deprived. The number of people economically inactive because of long-term sickness has risen to over 2.6 million, an increase of nearly half a million since COVID began. Over half of those signed off reported depression, bad nerves, or anxiety. One group particularly affected are children, with the CSJ reporting that, during the first lockdown, the proportion of children meeting the threshold for clinical diagnosis for mental health problems increased by up to 35%. Eating disorders among girls aged 13 to 16 are 42% higher than would be expected based on pre-pandemic trends. The eating disorder charity Beat reported a 300% rise in demand for their helpline during the onset of lockdown. NHS data shows over 66,000 young people aged 19 and under were referred to mental health services in April 2021, a 109% rise compared to the same month pre-pandemic. One person reported to the CSJ that... We used to get the situation of some children from some school classes being referred for mental health support. Now we are getting whole classes. It's an epidemic. Moving on to education, another participant reported that 
children were educated at home via Zoom for a couple of years, so their social interaction, their social norms, have been affected. We are seeing a big rise in teenagers who are unable to have a healthy, respectful relationship. As of spring 2023, severe school absence remains up by 134%. I appreciate, if you're like me, then you may question the virtue of the schooling institution. But these aren't children who are dropping out to pursue other educational or vocational opportunities. The CSJ concluded that a decade of progress in closing the attainment gap between disadvantaged students and others was wiped out. This was because school closures and disruption to education had a disproportionate impact on students from less affluent families. It may take 10 years just to get back to the 2019 disparity levels. It seems a lot of children struggled with online learning and the absence of face-to-face teaching. One 16-year-old reported, I just can't learn online. I just couldn't do it. I was doing all the lessons, but nothing was going in. I'm about to sit my GCSEs, and there are so many things I don't know. Particularly disturbing are the effects they found on babies. They report that an academic study in Ireland found that, compared with pre-pandemic babies, babies born during the most stringent lockdowns were less likely to have one definite and meaningful word, to point to people or objects, or to be able to wave goodbye. A charity in Wales reported that kids were arriving in school who've never interacted with anyone outside of their own family. They're biting, fighting, and then you've got the teenagers who are stuck in a rut. The report also describes how lockdowns affected children in care who suddenly couldn't see their parents and who were delayed in returning home because courts wouldn't meet. Regarding adoption, the report points out that children over the age of four are significantly less likely to be adopted. I'm not certain they are implying that lockdowns meant some children missed their chance, but I do wonder. Another factor the CSJ highlights, which I must admit I would have grossly underestimated, is that of digital exclusion. They report that 11% of UK households cannot access the internet at home, which rises to 42% of those on low incomes. A significant proportion of the adult population have limited digital capability, with 35% of the population equivalent to 18.2 million people, deemed to have very low or low digital skills. This is obviously a huge issue for education and access to services more broadly when everything goes online. As I said, I had no idea the numbers were this high, and I'd be willing to bet civil servants living in a London bubble wouldn't either. One support charity reported, Accessing anything is so much more difficult now. You're stuck on hold for hours, If you're a person that doesn't have phone credit, it can cost you a fortune. Really poor people won't have credit on their phones. They don't have internet to make an appointment. The CSJ describes lockdown's impact on work as emphatic, with long-lasting consequences. There were 130,000 fewer working-age people in employment in the summer of 2023 than before the pandemic. There has also been a substantial rise in working-age inactivity due to long-term sickness which has added $6.8 billion to the annual welfare bill and cost the Treasury $8.9 billion in foregone tax receipts. Finally, there's the small matter of the bill for all this. Destruction on this scale ain't cheap. The CSJ reports that, as of June 2022, the National Audit Office estimates that the total cost of all COVID-19 pandemic support measures will eventually come to £376 billion, or £5,603 per person. 
the International Monetary Fund estimate a higher figure of £407 billion, or £6,067 per person. It will be interesting to know what this represents per taxpayer, how much the person on the average salary is going to have to fork out, and what that represents in terms of the extra years they'll have to work. There was also a substantial increase in fraud, the cost of which went from £5.5 billion in the two years before the pandemic to £21 billion in the following two. This is of course only half the story, as in addition to the expansion of government spending, there was also an unprecedented contraction of the economy, of which the report says, The global response to the pandemic caused a recession and a drop in GDP not seen since Office of National Statistics measurements began in 1955. The first lockdown led to a 19.8% fall in GDP between April and June 2020. Household spending fell by over 20%, the largest contraction on record. It's really quite amazing that no one could have predicted locking down the country would have had these effects. Anyway, as long as it saved just one life, I'm sure it was all worth it. Thank you for listening. I will link to the report. It's 300 pages long, but the impact of lockdowns is summarised in a six-page executive summary, so it's well worth a look. I will also link to Measuring the Mandates and to Andy Kirk being interviewed on Unheard. Thanks again.